All right, one of our favorites here, John Neighbors from the Buzz Locked On Razorbacks. How's it going, buddy? Man, it's going great. It's good to be here in Nashville. It's a lot better than Hoover. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's a lot better than Hoover. They need to have it here a lot more often. Yeah, and true story, first day we go up uh, to the rooftop bar. Yeah. <laughs> There's Mr. John Neighbors having the time of his life up there. That's right. That's right. Uh, I'm trying to hold court up there, you know. I'm trying to make sure I keep it all together and start everything out with a bang. But, no, because it, it's just honestly my favorite thing about coming here to SEC Media Days, obviously seeing players and getting the football season really going. But it's just everybody with a like mind, you know. Like everybody's yeah. just trying to create content, whether it's right. podcasting, whether it's radio, whether it's writing, whether it's TV. It's like we're all – doing some sort of media, putting it out, but doing it in different ways and doing it about a passion that we all have, which, of course, is SEC football. So it's so much fun to be here. Yeah. yeah. Well, what? hey, we're, we're a day in. Anything that you took from yesterday? Anything standing out to you? Um, I still think Eli Drinkwitz is a dork. Um, <laughs> uh, Greg Sankey, I thought it was really interesting, like, you know, given his State of the Union, if you will, yeah. uh, talking about NIL, talking about gambling. You know, I, I talked about on my radio show yesterday. Those are things that I know exist, and we talk about what it, what's right. going on, what we'd like to see fixed and everything. But it just goes to show you, at the end of the day, like we just want to see football games. Yeah. You know, we want to see Arkansas run out there out of the A, and as fans, that's what you want. But it just goes to show the genius of what Greg Sankey is, is just ahead of the game in everything. You know, right. the stuff that he has to think about and they have to work through. Stuff that the average fan doesn't care about. Like, yeah. obviously, you don't want gambling going on with officials or coaches or anything. But, you know, that, that fans are like, okay, yeah, just don't do that. But we don't care about the intricacies of it. Right. I, that's what I always find so fascinating with Greg Sankey is not only the forward thinking that he has, but just the stuff that none of us really maybe think about or consider. He's working out plans, trying to put it together and Absolutely. make sure that it's the best product yeah. that possible. Let me ask you this. If uh, you had to bet your life. Yeah. That one of these two guys is a high, maybe not even a winner, but a finalist, KJ or Rocket. You probably have to go KJ because it's a quarterback, right? I would. Just it's a quarterback-driven award, yeah. and there has been, as we've seen, running backs and even a wide receiver win it. But just knowing that, at least for the case of KJ, he's the most important piece on this Razorback football team. Um, it, if you did not have KJ this year, if he had gone to the NFL draft last year. And you were having to have some sort of new quarterback, whether it's Jacoby Criswell, the transfer, or maybe they got some other transfer, whatever it is. I think Razorback fans would start feeling like this might be a 6-6 six and six year, 7-5. and five. Could be great, but may not be. It just depends on the quarterback. But because of K.J. Jefferson being at Arkansas and being that guy, the most important player on the team who you got to keep healthy, I think Razorback fans are saying that this is a year to where they can do even better than what they did last season. Yeah. They can take those steps forward. K.J. himself can take those steps forward. The things he needs to work on and adjust, Danny knows the new OC and quarterback coach can maybe help him with and get him in a position to where not only is he successful as an individual, but the team's a lot better. And when the team's a lot better and he's successful as an individual, that's how you get to be a Heisman finalist or at least in the conversation. So yeah. I, I would go with K.J. And I love Rocket. He's a great running back to me, the best running back in the SEC. But quarterback is always going to be what drives the bus on that. In that new offense, how does that change, KJ? Because you don't want to change him too much because he's so, such a great player. But what new wrinkles, I mean, what differences do you think we'll see in his game on the field this fall? I want to see how he handles reads. That, that's been his biggest thing in the Kendall Browns offense, which, you know, it had its highs and lows. There were, there were good times and there were bad times. I mean, his balance was great, you know, as far as rushing the ball and 
passing the ball, but to me, I want to see how KJ handles when he gets into shotgun and or drops back, looking at his primary guy. If it's not open or it's not there, second read, third yeah. read, or when he gets to the line of scrimmage, seeing what the defense is giving him. It's those little tweaks and adjustments that I think will make the difference, and I think that's what Dan Enos is going to do for him. Dan Enos has a great resume of coaching high-level quarterbacks. You know, when he was at Alabama, he coached Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And his Jalen Hurts' best season at Alabama was with Dan Enos, where people forget he, he rushed for I think, over 1,000 yards with Dan Enos there, and he threw for nearly 3,000. And I know they're different quarterbacks. It's Bama. You know, they got five-star talent across the board. But I think that with Enos and his resume and knowing what it takes to put together a well-rounded, complete quarterback – I think that's what's going to be the biggest thing for KJ this season and taking him from being just a great SEC player to a possible first-round pick next year in the draft. Yeah, and we love – I mean, we both love KJ Jefferson, and he's going to need some help on the outside. And, and I know there's a lot of new names. Is there any names that maybe on your list at the end of the season becomes a household name? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say – because we know with the, with the regulars of KJ and Rocket, if we're going offense for sure, I think – Isaac Tesla is yeah. a name that people are going to need to remember. He's a transfer from a uh, small school up, up north. Uh, he's from Michigan originally. And he was a guy that had a lot of scholarship offers to different SEC schools as his transfer. I know Ole Miss was very interested in him. Mm-hmm. A&M was interested in him. Um, but when he came aboard, people saw his name because they keep saying Tesla, but it's not it's a Tesla because it's got two A's in it. <laughs> but they're like, okay, they see this guy. He, he, he's a big-bodied guy, but – comes from the small school you know why would you want him and during spring practices and even the spring game he took a little bit of adjustment time but i'm telling you right now him and his ability to he's just a possession guy you throw it if you throw it in his vicinity he's catching it uh he's a physical wide receiver he's not gonna have top end speed but he'll fight off defenders right uh he runs routes incredibly so he may not be the, the you know the burner they may not be the Traylon burks guy or even a matt landers guy but I think that he's going to be the primary target for K.J. Jefferson, and he's going to be a guy that does get to 1,000 yards. I don't know, but I think he'll be, at the end of the day, the best wide receiver that Arkansas has had. And if K.J. has a big year, which I think everybody thinks he will, it's going to be a lot because he's thrown it to Isaac Tesla. Okay. Well, I think it's only natural. We all look at the offense, and and you do that because you got K.J., because you got Rocket, and Arkansas fans are so familiar with Dan Enos, but I think the one a lot of people are overlooking is Travis Williams, the new defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator. And I love Barry Odom. I think some of the biggest wins of the Sam Pittman era are due to Barry Odom and the scheme. But as you, all Razorbacks have said, the defense can't get much worse than it was last year. What kind of impact are you looking for from uh, Travis Williams? Well, I, I love Barry Odom too. But the problem last season with the defensive secondary that gave up 1,800 yards a game or whatever it was, it's what it seemed like. The problem was it's not the cornerbacks. Because you had Dwight McLaughlin, who was a really good cornerback for Arkansas. He's back this year. Mm-hmm. And you had the emergence of Quincy McAdoo, who moved from wide receiver, started playing a lot better. He was in a car accident. We still don't know the status if he's going right. to be available to play this year. Uh, and even Hudson Clark, which I know a lot of people give him a hard time, but he's a really good cornerback when you look at the ratings and you look at uh, you know his ability there. It was the safety. The safeties were the issue. Jalen Catalan goes out for the year, and they had nobody. And that's why those big plays happened. That's why over the top it happened. And Barry Odom coached the safeties he was the defense coordinator and the safeties coach so it's like that's a problem you can't you can't be where your specialty is supposed to be safeties as a defense coordinator and that is the by far the biggest weakness on the team yeah so that was an issue i understand why they moved on but with travis williams and 
what he's brought to the table. Schematically, no clue if it's going to be better than Barry Odom or not. No clue. The only thing I care about, and I've said this many times when it comes to defense at a place like Arkansas, don't worry. Scheme will, will take care of itself. you got to get players. And I know that's how it's cliche to say it, but Arkansas's best defense they've had in the past 15, 20 years was in 2014. Rob Smith was the defensive coordinator. Was Rob Smith just an incredible defensive coordinator that was just this mastermind? No. Rob Smith had Trey Flowers. He had Dietrich Wise. He had Darius Phylon. He had Martrell Spate. He had bona fide NFL players. And that's what it comes down to at a place like Arkansas. You're not going to get NFL players at all 11 spots on defense, but can you recruit? Can you get out of the portal? Can you get the Drew Sanders? Can you get... Uh, Jeff Cope from Missouri, who's coming in, has been an impact player. Can you get the guy, uh, Alcott from the, the safety out of Baylor, who's a big-time player? Can you get those guys, or just four or five of them, that can be NFL caliber, at least high-level SEC caliber players? That's all you need. You don't need Arkansas's defense to be number one in the SEC. They're never going to be that. Can they just be middle of the pack? Because think about it, guys, last year. Think about if that defense is just average mm-hmm. in yeah. the SEC last year. Yeah. Arkansas still went 6-6. Six and six. If they have an average defense, I think they end up going at least 9-3. and three. Yeah. It's not the case, but I think just because of that and what they've done the transfer portal, what they did with the excitement and the rejuvenation and the whole new defensive staff, I think that the defense under Travis Williams is going to take major steps forward because it can't get much worse than what it was <laughs> last year. Well, one guy they'll need to uh, rely on if they do take that step is Landon Jackson, who's a representative here at SEC yeah. Media Days. Does that speak to, uh, you know, he could be the biggest breakout star on the team. We heard great things at the spring, but we were saying, well, does that mean he's amazing or does that mean we we got issues at offensive tackle? Where where do you lie on that one? Well, I think with Landon Jackson, he kind of came came on late last year. He was uh, the transfer from LSU, and I remember I talked to some LSU people when he transferred in because I saw this, like, hey, it's a four-star player that came out of high school, 6'7", 250 pounds. I'm like, man, that seems like a DN that you want to have in the SEC. And a lot of these LSU people are like, ah, he just never played. He he wasn't that great. And uh, so I, I was kind of concerned at first. But then as the season went on, he, he didn't start a whole lot. But then he started later in the year. He started playing more later. He started making plays later in the year. I'm like, okay, maybe we're starting to see the impact from him. And then in the spring, defensively, him and Jeffcoat, to me, were the best players defensively and how impressive they were. Like the, it, That's not saying that other guys were bad, but – you, they stood out. And so those guys being on the DNs, I, I feel really comfortable and confident with those guys. And Landon Jackson, I think, is finally coming into his own where he's making the most out of his athleticism. I think Deke Adams, the D-line coach, has done a great job. He's experienced in the SEC and developing him. And as we all know, to win in the SEC, you got to have great trench play. Yeah. And those DNs, if those guys stay healthy and those guys are as good as what people are hoping, uh, you could see another year where Arkansas may not lead the C, uh, SEC in sacks, but could be up there in the mix and could cause some havoc for some quarterbacks. Hey, we just did a, a segment, win, loss, and toss. We, we talked about this off off air, but yeah. I'm kind of curious in your mind when you're looking at Arkansas's schedule, is there any that maybe as an outsider they've penciled in a, a victory against the Razorbacks, but you're like, hey, let's, let's hold off. There may be something here. Well, I think that that happens, especially with Arkansas a lot, just because you know, they've not had a whole lot of success the past yeah. decade. And a lot of people view it as it should be a win. But I, I brought this up, too, and, and I'll answer your question. But, you know, Sam Pittman has won three SEC games all three years he's been here. He won mm-hmm. three in 2020, four in 2021, and three last year. Now, that may not seem like something super impressive. 
But from 2012 to 2019, Arkansas averaged 1.5 wins in the SEC per season. Yeah. So he has doubled that, and he's done it in three years, and he did it after taking over a program from Chad Morris. Like, he has elevated Arkansas's competitiveness. Right. And last year, seven points away from having nine wins. Yeah. You know, he's getting there, and he's they're being competitive. And so I think that a lot of times Arkansas, even last season in some of these close games, like I think LSU is a great example. I think LSU overlooked Arkansas, and that's why that game was even close. KJ didn't even play. You had Malik right. Hornsby, and that game was 13-10 to 10 final. <laughs> and, like, Arkansas hadn't held – I think that was this like that, that was the least amount of points anyone had scored against Arkansas, and I think the second least was, like, 28. Like, it wasn't yeah. even – it was weird. But I think that happens a It was a, a tough lot. watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was not a fun game to attend in the cold either. But I think that there's going to be people that always look at Arkansas that way. But, honestly, if I'm looking at the schedule – Arkansas plays believe, seven games in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. I think they should go undefeated in Fayetteville. Okay. Or at least at home in Arkansas. I think yeah. they play again in War Memorial the first game of the season. They should go undefeated. And that includes their four non-conference games, but also Auburn, Mississippi State, and Missouri. Yeah. They should win all three of those games. I love how Arkansas people just completely disregard the zoo. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Because it, it goes back to the thing where – Arkansas is better than them, but they just don't win the game. You know, it's just it's like, you know, those years that Ole Miss beat Alabama back-to-back years, was Ole Miss a better team than Alabama? Yeah. No. <laughs> they just – it just happened, you know, right. and that's what it feels like with Missouri. Like, Drinkwitz has not had it's, a winning record. <laughs> that guy has not had a winning record. South Carolina just said the same thing yesterday. <laughs> it's like – Yeah. <laughs> like, we lose it, but we shouldn't be. We yes. were the better team. Yes. And, like, and, and, you know, it's – so that's where it's like it's – I'm putting it as if you put – measure both teams on the field talent wise all yeah. that arkansas is a better team they should win the game so that's where i'm putting that into the mix but the game honestly that i believe that most people are writing off for arkansas at least the people i've talked to i think it's that florida game on the road mm-hmm. now it, it's they could it's be tough. awful though florida yeah could be. and it's in november mm-hmm. it's the first game in november for arkansas and right after they play georgia and it's coming off arkansas for a bye week because arkansas got the bye week before so that, to me, could be the crucial game for Arkansas and the difference between having another 6-6 six and six year or having an 8-4, and 9-3 and three year. Yeah. And I just – Billy Napier, I, I'm not saying anything against him, not saying he can't get it going. I don't have any issue with him. But, as you mentioned, it could be disastrous by that point in time of the year. Right. I mean, this dude had, what, three first-round picks last season with 6-6? Six and six? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like who does – yeah, 6-7, and seven, even better. Like, how, how, <laughs> how, do you, how do you justify that? So – I, who's to say the floor is going to be better this year? I right. don't know. But I think that that's the game where Florida's probably looking at it as a win. Oh, it's at home. Oh, right. it's Arkansas. Oh, it's this, that. But uh, going to your point, if things don't go well for Florida in the beginning of the year, it could fall off the rails by that point, and Arkansas yeah. could go in there and take care of business. Well, speaking of going off the rails, A&M went off the rails last year. They're bringing in Petrino. All Arkansas fans know him very well. But what's your read on the fact that I don't know. I assume you caught this yesterday, but Jimbo was asked repeatedly about Bobby Petrino. He dodges and ducks and dodge and dives the <laughs> question. He will not address it. We hear from people close to the program that he's giving complete control to Petrino. The practices are being run different, yet his fucking ego will not allow him to say that. Yeah. I mean, it. I'm just saying, I'm high on AM. I think they yeah, should be really me. good. But the fact that he can't even do that, 
I think he could snap or something. I think, especially if they lose to like Miami Just, right out and, the gate. And too, when you're seeing other coaches do it, we talked about right. drink. He comes out and he says the offense basically sucked, and it was my fault. So mm-hmm. right. we brought in a coordinator, and that's going to be his job. Why? Why are we not seeing that with Texas A&M? Well, I'll, I'll say this, and I don't know if you guys remember it. Maybe you do. This reminds me of when Arkansas had Houston Nutt as their head coach, and yeah. Houston Nutt still to this day I despise him. Uh, but he's the only coach in Razorback history to have back-to-back losing seasons to keep his job. He's the only coach to ever do that. And he had back-to-back losing seasons. The offense was abysmal. It was terrible. And he was essentially forced to hire Gus Malzahn, this high school coach from Springdale High, right there in the backyard. And fans were excited about it because, like, man, this mastermind's fine offense. And Arkansas won 10 games. They won the SEC West that mm-hmm. year. Every Darren McFadden was obviously the main reason why. But it ended disastrous. It was a split. It was a famous story. Oh, Everyone, yeah. and this is what it reminds me of. Jimbo doesn't want to change his offense. He thought his offense was fine. He did not want to have a coordinator. He didn't want right. to change anything. But essentially, they're like, you got you got to change this. And Petrino is, without a doubt, the, and again, my opinion, the greatest offensive mind ever coach in the SEC. Yeah, at least well. here in the modern era, because like he showed that he could win at a high level with Ryan Mallett, who's six foot seven, two hundred forty pounds, and runs like a five three. Yeah, and at Louisville, he showed that he could win with Lamar Jackson, who was a Heisman Trophy winner, who is complete polar opposite of a quarterback that what Mallett was. Dude knows how to make offenses work, no matter who is his personnel. And so I think that when Jimbo was forced to hire Petrino, or at least that's how it's viewed. It's going to take a hit to his ego, just like it took a hit to Houston Nuts' ego, yeah. where people are going to start saying, a great offensive game. Oh, my goodness, look at Petrino's offense. Look how great it is, and Jimbo's going to get mad. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm still the head coach, though. I'm, that's, you know, it's, I'm, I get the credit for it. <laughs> or if the games go badly or it, you know, whatever, it's going to be, well, you just, we need Petrino as our head coach. because you, you, you I think it's a lose-lose for Jimbo. Yeah. And I think Jimbo just talks too fast in order to not say certain things in a certain way. Yeah. And I think that that's what happened yesterday. But you can tell from Jimbo, he doesn't want this. It's, he, he's tired of talking about it. He knows he's going to have to talk about it forever. And it's, it's one of two things. It, if it works out and it clicks for A&M, I think they may be a serious contender in the SEC West with yeah. Petrino. I hate to say it, but they got the talent. They but got it all. does Petrino get the credit? Or does <laughs> he Jimbo? Will. No, but he will. Yeah. Petrino will get the credit. Just like in, in that year that Arkansas won 10 games, with Mal- Malzahn yeah. got the credit because yeah. they're like, you, Nutt went five and six and four and right. seven, and suddenly ten wins. What was the difference? Gus Malzahn. <laughs> That's right. So it, it's, it's like gonna, Brady and LSU, you know. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it, it's a lose lose no matter what. And I, again, if it works out, they could have a great year, but it's not long term. Yeah, I think this is a one year shot at it. It's going to either Jimbo's going to get fired and they just elevate Petrino, or Petrino's going to go somewhere else. Right. It's a one-year deal, but if it works, it'll be amazing. But if not, it'll be disastrous, and it'll be over before the season even gets started. Yeah. Last thing I got for you, John, is there one game you're looking forward to the most this year? And it, Not even necessarily uh, you know, a matchup or anything like that, but I'm specifically talking like if we were going to go to an Arkansas game, you got it circled. Maybe it'll, you hope it's going to be a night game. The atmosphere is going to be yeah. intense. Arkansas does not get enough night games. We all know that. So which one do you think most likely for fan experience alone? Well, the home schedule sucks this year for Arkansas. <laughs> like, it does. It's, you get three home games in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's Auburn, Mississippi State, and Missouri. I mean, it's not really moving the needle. Like, it, odds are that none of those teams will even be ranked in the top 25 right. by that point. 
your non-conference is your, your big one's BYU, <laughs> and that's a night game, and that's at six thirty, I guess. So that's cool. So it, it's so there's no real home game for Arkansas. That it's just like that matchup. But I still think that the game that will be a huge determining factor for both of these teams, it's a team we just talked about, we Arkansas-Texas A&M. I hate that game. It's dumb. There's dumb things that happen all the time, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, like last year diving from the six-yard line and then it gets returned for a touchdown when Arkansas would have gone up 21-0. Or, you know, Brett Bielma saying, hey, let's kick to Christian Kirk. That'll be fine. Uh, and then he returns it for a touchdown. Like, there's just dumb things that happen in that game. But if Arkansas found a way early part of the season to take care of business and win that game, uh, that'll be huge because Arkansas actually plays LSU in September this year. It's their first yeah. SEC game. They've never played – it's never played LSU outside the month of November. It's always been late. This time it's in Baton Rouge. I don't expect Arkansas to win that game. But if you win – if you lose that game to LSU and you beat A&M the next week, things feel great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you don't want to start three and two and zero and two in conference play. Yeah. Even if it is A and M and LSU, that's just you don't want to start off on that front. So to me, it's about that A and M game. I think, it's, and if A and M loses, that could be what sets the things yeah. off for, for Jimbo and finally to get separated or to get yeah. uh, moving. But I think that's the biggest game for both of these teams to decide who's going to have a good season or at least a better season and who's going to be in some trouble as the year goes on. Yeah, and I heard someone describe it perfectly yesterday. Arkansas A&M is a 50-50 game that somehow A&M wins 90% of the time. At some <laughs> yeah. point, that has to flip. Yeah, it's like it's like if you flip a coin 10 times, well, it's 50-50, but that's tails 9 out of 10 times. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, like it's just, <laughs> again, it's, and, but this is my other point, too. Since A&M and Arkansas start playing each other, because A&M and Arkansas played each other even before they joined the SEC, part mm-hmm. of that Southwest Classic starting in 2009. In, those, in the years Arkansas has beaten Texas A&M since then, they've only beaten them four times. They start off 3-0, but this is what they did. In 09, they smoked A&M. They ended up going 8-5. 2010, Arkansas went 10-3, lost in the Sugar Bowl to uh, Ohio State. 2011, they went 11-2, won the Cotton Bowl against Kansas State. They beat A&M those years. 2021, was then the next time they beat A&M, and Arkansas went 9-4. Yeah. I feel like that is the great indication of where the best, those are the four best years Arkansas's had in the past, like, 15 seasons, it seems like. It's like Tennessee and Florida. It's yeah. like, if you can get past Florida. Yes, you exactly know? right. It's the same thing. If you just win those four, if you win that game against A&M, the logic and the history shows yeah. you have a great season. That's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. I really appreciate your time, John. Before you go, tell the audience where do they find uh, all your work. Yeah, just uh, follow me at Buzz John Neighbors on all social media. Do a radio show out of Little Rock on 103.7 The Buzz from 1 to 4 called Out of Bounds. And you can also check out the Locked On Razorbacks podcast on YouTube and wherever podcasts are found. Number one Razorback podcast in the world, at least for this year. So I'm keeping <laughs> nice. that title as long as I can. Yeah. <laughs> all right, do thank you, you, so you live on a lake? i got to ask. Okay. Do you live yeah. on a lake? <laughs> or, or did you cruise last week? You may be the tannest oh. guy I've seen this. Well, week. you know, it's uh, first off, first off, I tan really well. I have a lot of Native American <laughs> in me. That's one. And two, I was at the beach a week ago. Yeah, or two weeks, a week and a half ago, and I was there for a full week. And then this past week, uh, past weekend, I guess it was on fr- Saturday, where yeah, before I came down here. Uh, I went out golfing. And, oh, I, um, I, I, I said, well, he rolled in. I was like, man, I know. somebody was well, on vacation last was, week. What was bad, I thought I was going to get sunburned because when I went golfing, I forgot my hat. Yeah. I thought I had it in my truck, and so I didn't wear a hat. 
Yeah. And, but I had some sunscreen, luckily, so I put that on. But it was just like, yeah. Because everyone's been like, dude, where, where have you been? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you can get, you can get to stop doing those spray tans. I'm like, man, listen. I was like, I can't eat. I was like, I can't afford, like, half the stuff that I do anyway. Yeah. I was like, I'm not trying to get a spray tan, man. That's you're, a weird You're missing thing. a segment, Weekend at Johnny's or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, something like that. I, I, I'd be all for it. I'd be all for it. But, yeah, I, I've gotten a lot of people talking about my tan. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I guess it's good. I, I don't know. But, yeah, I'll take it, whatever it is, whatever it is. All right, perfect. Thank you so much.